Hello, everyone. Welcome to Cohen's Corner. We are a brand new Mets podcast. We want to thank you guys so much for tuning in to our first episode. My name is Elizabeth Muratori. I'm here with my co-host, Jake Giblin, and we are so excited to be bringing you some brand new Mets content, baseball content. We're really excited to see where this goes. Um, yeah, Jake, you want to introduce yourself? I'll introduce myself. We'll let you guys know what you can expect over the next several weeks and months, however long this goes. Yeah, um, I'm excited to do this. I'm so glad we're coming together to start this. Um, I feel like there's a lot of stuff we can bring to our listeners and spread not only Mets news, but baseball news. And um, I think this is going to go really well. So yeah, I'm Jake Giblin, as Elizabeth said. I'm a student currently at Montclair State University, finishing up a degree in sports journalism. And uh, I've always wanted to do a podcast, Mets-centric podcast, but um, definitely I want to expand, not only stay with the Mets, like I mentioned, talk about uh, all the teams in MLB and the hot news of the day and what's going on. So, Elizabeth, thank you for doing this with me, and I'm really excited. Yeah, of course, and thank you for reaching out. Um, Yeah, so like I said, my name is Elizabeth, huge lifelong Mets fan from Long Island, New York from North Shore of Long Island, Port Washington, for anyone out there who is also from Port Washington. I know there's a lot of Mets fans uh, on Long Island all over. And yeah, Jake and I both write for the fan-sided website, Rising Apple, which covers Mets, um, both historical, current events, rumors, all sorts of content. I also write for another baseball website, Girl of the Game, which is a female-founded website um, founded by Gabrielle Starr that covers all sorts of sports and sports media and current events related topics. And I also edit the newsletter for the Internet Baseball Writers Association of America. So really excited to kind of marry all my different baseball interests along with Jake's baseball interests into a, we're going to call it a mostly Mets podcast. Again, we're kind of not exactly sure how, you know, we're we're planning on focusing a lot on Mets related content, but we also want to bring you guys some you know, broader perspectives on the baseball world. We are planning on having guests from all corners of the baseball universe um, and baseball Twitter, all the people that you love following, we're hoping to bring to you through our podcast, um, whether they're Mets focused or otherwise. So that's kind of what we're, we're thinking. Really excited to see how our uh, podcast shakes out, how our guests shake out, and how all of this kind of develops over the next few weeks. Like I said, neither of us have ever hosted a podcast before, so we're kind of learning on the fly, but really excited to marry um, our both of our interests in baseball and the Mets into this new podcast and hope that we bring you guys something unique, something that you aren't getting from your other sports podcasts, because I know that there's a lot of them out there. I personally have noticed like a huge explosion in the amount of sports podcasts over the last year, maybe just because of the pandemic, everyone's talking to themselves in their houses all day long. So maybe they decided just to make more podcasts out of it so other people can hear them. I don't know. But I personally have listened to a lot more podcasts myself over the last year. And I'm really also excited to kind of take the best of what I've heard from other people and from the podcasts I admire and figure out how to make one myself. So that's what I'm looking forward to. Yeah, I'm totally on board with everything you just said. I'm really excited to do this. There's so many great... uh podcasts out there not only baseball podcasts but podcasts in the world of sports news everything it's really um becoming a global phenomenon doing podcasts and i just think there's a lot of topics for us to explore it's been a crazy off season for the mets well crazy in terms of we don't really have that much excitement in previous off seasons so it's been crazy from that standpoint but um 
yeah, so there's a lot to talk about. And I just think it'll be great for us to get our ideas out there. And um, hopefully our listeners, whether they agree with or don't agree with what we're saying, they uh, enjoy listening to us. So um, yeah, I'm really excited to see where this goes. Yeah, so without further ado, for our first episode, we're just going to touch on a few kind of topical, I guess, Mets-related news uh, topics that have come up over this offseason. Uh, talk about a few of the big heavy hitters that have happened so far during the offseason. I know it's right now as we're recording this, it's the end of January. Obviously, hopefully still more to come. But yeah, I, I guess it's interesting because I feel like one of the first signings that the Mets made during this offseason was signing uh, reliever Trevor May couple months ago, I think it was back in November, um, who was previously with the Minnesota Twins. And what I think what's already shown me that this is going to be hopefully a brand new kind of front office approach to the Mets is that in years past, the Trevor May signing would have been the only thing that happened. I feel like, you know, in years past, you know, last year when the Mets signed Dylan Batanzas on Christmas Eve, I was like, all right, that's it. Like, that's all we're getting. And, and I felt like this year we got a great reliever early on, but my expectations were, okay, this is the beginning. Now what? And so, and, and the Mets have proceeded to make several more moves since then, obviously. Um, we know that they had the big Francisco Lindor trade of a few weeks ago that really, uh, I don't know if it shocked the baseball world, but it certainly it shocked. Was. Oh, oh it, it, it shocked. <laughs> I, I wasn't like, it's funny. We had heard so many rumblings over the, the past, like several months about, oh, the Mets should obviously trade for Lindor. The Indians are you know, making him available. But it was interesting that there were really no kind of rumblings or overly. They kept hinted. it very quiet. Exactly. There were no like, it really just dropped on like what, a Thursday afternoon. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I was like eating lunch or something. Yeah, me too. I was, I was eating lunch and I was scrolling on my phone and I look and it's, I was Jeff Passan, I think tweeted. Mets it's always Jeff Passan. I think he's always or, like the first one or like the main one that, that breaks a lot of these yeah. trades. I was, I was looking, I'm like, th- I'm like, there's no way this has got to be a fake account. And I click on it, Jeff Passan. I'm like, Oh my God, you did nothing. There wasn't a peep let out about that trade leading up to it. Usually you hear rumblings about they're getting close. They're talking. You, you didn't hear anything. And in the past, as a Mets fan, you wouldn't even dream of them getting Francisco Lindor. Like that just wasn't something that happened. The Mets weren't a team that they were going to take a player who was owed a ton of money because their previous team couldn't pay them. The Mets were usually that team that didn't want to pay somebody. So for them to trade for Lindor and I mean, all things are going to lead to them hopefully signing him long-term. I mean, it's just a great feeling. It's a new feeling as a Mets fan. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and I will admit I was probably among the more cynical Mets fans actually when this trade was first announced, just because, I mean, I, I obviously recognize that Lindor is one of the best shortstops in all of baseball, but I, I was still kind of thinking in terms of the Mets' very obvious needs that they still needed to address, uh, one of those being starting pitching. And I think when I heard that Carlos Carrasco was going to be included in the trade, that was when I really felt totally on board with it. That's, just when, you, that's when you jumped on the ship. You were, you were, I was, uh, you I were know, halfway on it. The Rising Apple group chat can attest that I was actually like very tempered when I, when people were first talking about the trade, I was like, I don't know, you guys, still not excited. And then someone said like, oh, Carrasco is going to be in it. And I was like, never mind, I'm excited. So yeah. my, my Indians fan friend, um, Bharat, who I would actually love to have him on one of our future episodes, just because he's an Indians and a Mets fan. So I'm kind of curious to see like. Oh, he's got to be happy like. though, if, if Lindor had to go to one team. I think, I mean, yeah, exactly. he's from Cleveland. So I feel like the oh, Indians that makes, that are like his first love, but he's also a Mets fan, just like me. So it was interesting hearing his reactions too. Cause I'm like, you can still root for them. They're not going anywhere. You're root for both teams, but 
But yeah, when I when I heard that Carrasco was involved, I was definitely like totally on board after that, just because not only were they acquiring Lindor, but they were filling a very obvious need, which they frankly still need to address a little bit more. But I, I'm super excited about having both of them on the team. And also I hadn't really I didn't really have like any, I guess, character reservations, so to speak, about either. I mean, I know both of them have been really, really highly regarded by their teammates, by Cleveland fans. And I'm just very excited to see what they bring to the table, um, especially with everything that Carrasco has gone through with his leukemia. Obviously, he's had a really – he's been very courageous off the field as well as being an extremely effective Bailey pitcher on the field. And, you know, if you look at his, his statistics, I don't know if I would call him underrated, but he very quietly has been – I think that's better. I think that's a good word to describe him, underrated. Yeah, I he's mean – He's been overshadowed by the Klubers and the Shane Exactly. The Bowers, Bowers of the Indians. Yeah. yeah the Clevengers. He's been overshadowed. For That's for sure. I would definitely agree that he's he's definitely underrated. Yeah, because the Indians have really had no shortage of kind of top-line starting pitching over the last few years, and that's why they've been able to trade so much of it and still have a really strong rotation heading into next year. I mean, they have a bunch of other quality starters. They still have um, – Plesak. Plesak's young. Plesak, Aaron Bowser, Bieber. Bieber just Shane won the Bieber. Cyan. I, like, forgot about Shane Bieber. Plus Tristan McKenzie, too. Yeah, they, they like, debut. breed starting pitchers. It's like the Mets of 2015. They're just popping <laughs> out young pitchers left and right. It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. Exactly. And meanwhile, the Mets are now like scrounging to like fill their fifth starter Isn't that role. Wild? Like, Thinking back, like at the time when we've we fallen so far, we needed a few, like big bats, and now our lineup is insane, but we're lacking pitching. Exactly. And and that's why I'm also hopeful that that's what kind of what we were saying. Even the Mets team that made the World Series in 2015, I never, I was obviously like super excited about it, but I never really felt like, okay, this is a team that can contend for years to come because I just didn't feel like the lineup was going to stay together mm-hmm. in that form for years to come. And now I feel like the defense was horrible. We had Wilmer Flores. It's love Wilmer, <laughs> but he was our short. I get after Tata got after Tata, he was our shortstop. Yeah. Even oh Tata, he couldn't hit. Tata couldn't hit. I, mm-hmm. oh. So I, and I feel like this team now is, is in a place where they really, if, if they devote the resources, they have a lineup that, if kept together, can really be a, an absolute force to be reckoned with. And five now, the, now the hope is that they can compile a pitching staff that can support that lineup and can support, but, you know, behind Jacob DeGrom, who they still have under contract for the next few years at least. So it, it, it is quite the switch, I think, from attitudes that we've had towards Mets teams in the past where they had the pitching and then they just needed to cobble together some hitters. Now they have the hitters. They need to cobble, they need to cobble together more pitching and – and so I'm hopeful that this new regime can recognize that it's they need to like put all the pieces together and rec- And this is I've been saying this on like Twitter and our and Rising Apple like group chats and all this stuff. But the, I feel like the Mets have or have always been a little bit behind the curve on recognizing the importance of of genuine pitching depth. And this is something that they really need to address this year. And that you know I still feel like they have a lot of room for improvement with not only in the starting pitching, but also in the bullpen, you know, like bullpens have become even more important than ever over the last several years. And, you know, the teams that make it far in the postseason, whether it was the Rays and the Dodgers last year, or even the Yankees who over the last few years, I mean, credit to them, they have had a pretty excellent bullpen pretty much year in and year out. And they've had kind of eight or at least like six to seven quality relievers every year that you can trust to get big outs. And, I can't remember the last time the Mets had that. And this isn't like a brand new thing either. And so I'm really hoping that they can 
I guess just recognize that like two to three good relievers is not good enough. And, you know, I love like Brad Brock. He's great, but I don't know if like five Brad, relievers of Brad Brock quality behind. Brad Brock is not saving the Mets bullpen. That's for sure. That's what I'm saying. Again, love Brad Brock, but they really need to recognize, they need more, four more like Seth Lugos and then I'll feel good about the bullpen. I mean, I'm really hoping that, you know, they can at least recognize that they have to be just deeper in that area. And hopefully once like, Familia eventually comes off the books once I don't know how much how many more years Batances will be a Met hopefully, and hopefully he bounces yeah, back this year we don't last know last year Batances is a Met I I can't stand Batances coming over here and pitching the way he did last year it was ridiculous he, he blew how many games and he was so talented with the Yankees and we always get these guys like that's such a Mets move to get this washed up guy that was great with the Yankees and he comes over and he sucks and I just feel like this happens all the time and you're right we need we need bullpen arms. Or, I mean, if they were to go out and sign Bauer, maybe that pushes Lugo. If Lugo's not already back to the bullpen, if that pushes him to the bullpen, losing Brad Hand to the Nationals really hurt because we need a left-hand reliever. I get we signed Jerry Blevins out of retirement, but he's not going to cut it. Bring Justin Wilson back. I guess that's the best option now from the left side. I've heard Jake McGee maybe, but the bullpen is, that's the biggest thing we need to address right now. I mean, pitching in general, if they get Bauer, great, whatever. And also obviously we need a center fielder, but with the DH now that kind of makes things a little difficult, but I definitely agree. They need, they need to do something that bullpen because I don't think you can count on, I get Diaz had a, a much better year than he did his first year as a Met, but you, can you really count on him to be that solid closer? I don't think you can. I need, I think you need to have insurance and not just with one or two like you said you need to have three four five six quality arms in the bullpen to get outs because you the pitchers nowadays they can't pitch on back-to-back day or three days in a row you know what i mean there's always days where you got somebody that can't throw you need some reliable arms in the pen you can't you're not going to be able to cut it just with diaz lugo and trevor may like that's that's not just that's not going to cut it you need to sign at least two, three more quality relievers, in my opinion. Not high-end guys, maybe one more high-end guy, but you need a, you need like guys like Chad Green that are on the Yankees, guys that are reliable. Can, can I mean, the Mets had Chase and Shreve last year who kind of came it's, in with oh, zero expectations and, and frankly, was one of their best relievers and was a lefty. So I, I know they, non, they non-tendered him earlier in the offseason, but honestly, even if they brought him back as – Maybe not the go-to lefty in the bullpen, but yeah. a lefty. They got I mean, him on a minor league deal. Like I feel like a lot of teams do that because mm-hmm. relievers they can go from being great one year to terrible. Like some of these relievers that pop up, they were garbage in other places, and it's you don't know. It's really it's a crapshoot with relievers. So Chase and Shreve, they got him on a minor league deal, and he was great. And I feel like that's what good teams do. They find value in these guys that they don't have to pay enough for, and they still get quality innings from them. So that's all I'm saying. They don't have to go out and sign the best reliever in the game. They just need some quality depth, not these AAA guys that they've had in the past. Because as much as I love Paul Seawald, people like him, you don't, he shouldn't be touching the ball in a high leverage spot. Right. I, I think he finally... I think he has pitched his last game with the Mets at this yes. point. I believe they yes. non-tendered him yeah, earlier he's in the gone. offseason. He's gone, but I'm just saying, people <laughs> of his, like... Of, of his ilk, exactly. Yes, exactly. So, I'm kind of curious. I know we've been talking a lot about, like, you know, needs that the Mets have, places they still need to improve. I'm curious, Jake, maybe, do you have, like, one player who you think is going to either outperform expectations or surprise people during the 21-21 season? Because... I've trying I've kind of been thinking about this myself and you know I, I really feel like it, it's it's hard to say because I think a lot of the Mets players have pretty high expectations for them for them currently 
I, I actually do think Marcus Roman is going to pitch really well next year. And I, I think people are expecting a lot of him, but I also think he hasn't really been talked about as a elite pitcher in a while because I, I mean, a, his starts with the Mets were, were good, but maybe not ace material. And as B, good as he, he was in Toronto. He didn't, he didn't pitch at all last year. So in terms of like a Met, I'm, I'm hoping outperforms expectations. And not that Stroman has low expectations per se for, for next year, but I personally am, I, I think he will be very good in 2021. And people aren't really talking a ton about him at the moment. So who's someone that you think might surprise people next season, or at least kind of outperform the coverage that they're currently getting? Um, I think a good guy is David Peterson. I think he had a really solid rookie year and the Mets really, they benefited from having a left-handed starter because Matt's was, you know, we all know Steven Matt's has fallen off the hill, but the only way Matt's can go is up now. Yeah. I really yes. hope <laughs> we're, out, we're out the door. He can go there yeah. too. But, but I think David Peterson, because with all the talk, like I, I know I mentioned too, the Mets could use another starter, but I think if he could be a really quality number five starter, he was a number one draft pick a few years ago out of Oregon. There was a lot of high hopes for him and he was good last year. I think he had an ERA in the high threes. It was like three and a half. Just yeah, below that. He had, that's a, that's a really good rookie year. And he gave them quality innings. I understand it was a much shorter season and he came up maybe a quarter of the way through it, but I thought he, he impressed me a lot. I, I remember he went after hitters and he doesn't have the most overpowering stuff, but he throws strikes and he's not afraid to go after guys. He's gotten out of a bunch of bases loaded jams. I remember last year, he's really good. I feel like DeGrom's similar in that way. And obviously DeGrom's the best, but when I feel like DeGrom pitches better, even when he has guys on base, like when he's in tough situations and I felt Peterson did pretty similar to that last year when he had guys on base he pitched even uh, better than he did when no one was on so I think he could have a really good year and he's I don't know if it would be as surprising because of how well of a rookie year he had but I don't think a lot of people are really talking about him I it's funny I actually wrote about him recently um maybe I'm the only one who's talking about him but I I agree I was really impressed with him last year and I I think it really started, honestly, in his very first start against the Red Sox in late July. And if you'll recall, Peterson wasn't in the rotation to start last year. He only started, I think, because Michael Waka got injured. Or he basically came into the rotation because of an injury after Stroman had opted out as well. And so I think he really he really impressed me in that first start. I believe there was a like a bases loaded, no out situation. That's what I was talking about. The bases loaded. In like loaded. the third yep. inning. And it was his first start ever. And I was like, oh, and it's at Fenway Park. You know, it's a small park. It was JD, JD, JD Martinez was up. Yeah, Remember? yeah, exactly. I think he got a, like a double play or struck yeah. him out or something. But Struck him out. Um, struck out JD Martinez. Exactly. And, and that, that reminded me, because you're right. I, I actually looked at this a while ago. And I think, I'm, I'm not, I have to check on this. But I believe like Jacob deGrom's career, like batting average against or something is actually lower with runners on base than it is yeah, with bases empty. And David Peterson last year, similarly had a lower, I believe a lower, it was his batting average against with runners on or runners in scoring position was like 171. And I think it was like in the 200s or something with bases empty. And I'll have to check like how common that is across other pitchers, but it goes to show that he really demonstrated the ability to bear down and, and be tough. Especially mound. as a rookie, like that, that was exactly. even more impressive as a rookie to be able to do that and not get scared. And because a lot of rookie pitchers, they break in those situations and Peterson seemed to really thrive on them. Exactly. And, you know, I'm, I'm really, and, and he's a lefty too, which the Mets, um, would, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about seeing more from him this year uh, and hopefully years to come. He's under team control for several more years. So yeah, I would say those two definitely, as far as position players, 
I know we, we've touched on, obviously, they acquire Francisco Lindor. He's going to be the shortstop. <laughs> I am, I have to say, I'm really a little, just a little bit sad to see Andres Jimenez go. I know that they needed to make room for Lindor, but I really do believe he's going to have a great, at least defensively, major league career. And so I'll be looking up his highlights in Cleveland. Um, I'll be rooting for him and, and Rosario, too. I, I gave them a slightly emotional goodbye. Uh, I know Rosario had like a goodbye video that the Mets posted a while ago in his honor. And, and so, yeah, anyway, just my own personal goodbye to Ahmed and Andres. But in terms of Mets position players that I think either will surprise people or be interesting cases in 2021, well, I mean, there was news today that it seems like the universal DH may not be around in 2021, which I know Mets fans were are really hoping for. And it, myself included, really exclusively because of the Dom Smith, Pete Alonso situation. And, and so I'm really curious, I don't know if this is like, it's not one player per se, but I'm really curious to see if there is in fact no DH, how their playing time will shake out and how much of Dom Smith, the left fielder will end up seeing. And, you know, I, and I really don't anticipate the Mets like moving Pete Alonso to any other position. I just don't think that's an option, frankly. So I really feel like Dom is going to be the one that gets kind of shuffled around in this scenario. And so that case, that situation to me will be very interesting. And also something I don't think was talked about a ton, I'm guessing, you know, with Cano out this year, obviously Jeff McNeil figures to be kind of the everyday second baseman, but I'm really curious to see, you know, if he does end up at any point starting at third base, how he could fare as a third baseman as well. Cause McNeil really wasn't excellent defensively at third base because he started the year as a third baseman last year and then got replaced by J.D. Davis like halfway through the 60 game season so I actually think between Dom Smith P. Alonso and actually like Jeff McNeil's defense is are two things that I'm curious to see how they fare in 2021 not because McNeil's a liability defensively but because if he ends up having to start at third base you know because either Davis just isn't cutting it or someone gets injured you know I'm really interested to see if he'll do any better than he did last year because he traditionally has been very solid defensively and I really believe in him at pretty much any position. So I'm, I'm also curious to see maybe, you know, who knows, maybe McNeil hits 400 next year. I'm not expecting it, but I'm always hopeful that he can hit the cover off the ball every time up. Yeah. Uh, I love watching McNeil play and McNeil's a great hitter. He's going to win a batting title in his career. I truly believe that he's a great pure hitter and, I think he'll definitely be the second baseman. I think as of now, J.D. Davis is the third baseman. But I just think McNeil, I don't know, I think it's got to be tough for McNeil when you're playing a new position pretty much every day. You're moving around. I think it'll really benefit him staying at one position and being able to take more reps at one position. Because I do think, I mean, he's, yeah, he didn't play the best at third base, but he, he plays a quality third base. He plays a way better third base than J.D. Davis, but you'd rather, obviously, you're not going to play J.D. Davis at second base. You need somebody to play second with Cano out. And McNeil plays a solid second base defensively. And I mean, honestly, like this is just me thinking, I honestly firmly believe they're going to make a move at third base, whether that's the trade for Chris Bryant or do something. They've talked to the Reds about Suarez. I'm not saying I love it. I'm just saying, I don't know, just from the way I've heard Sandy talk, I don't know if they're definitely that comfortable going into the season with J.D. Davis as their starting third baseman. I've been thinking for a while he could be used as trade bait. I love J.D. Love the cookie club. Don't want to break up him and Dom. I know. It, I feel like I'm so like so sentimentally attached to like him and Dom as a duo just because yeah, of It's just tough, though. He doesn't those. play good defense. I mean, he's a, well, he's a very good hitter, but – and he doesn't play – it's not horrible. I'm, here's the thing with J.D. is he has a really good arm. His throws are it's very really strong, but his issue – and it, I actually 
actually think he and McNeil at third have like the opposite issues where a lot of McNeil's issues early on in the season came from inaccurate throws Mm -hmm. from third base. And a lot of JD's issues at third come from just not fielding the ball cleanly, playing hops to the left that they should be getting in front of. Things that Keith Hernandez points out on the broadcast all the time, good fundies, so to speak. And so it's really interesting. If you could like marry JD's arm with Jeff McNeil's like shorthandedness, I feel like you'd have a really good defensive third baseman. But unfortunately, they well, have. So we'll just play him. We'll play him both there at the same. Exactly. Time. Exactly. Well, McNeil yeah. will field it, and he'll just he'll hand it to JD. JD, JD will throw it to first. Yep. And all right, problem then... <laughs> We should. We should be. This is why we should be running the mess. So that easy. <laughs> exactly. Why haven't they figured it out by now? Exactly. Just have two third basemen and then uh, and then two outfielders. I don't know. Have what do you Nimmo think about that? Though? What if they traded for Chris Bryant? <laughs> For one year of Chris Bryant, and they didn't have to give up that much for him. And they're just, already going to go over the luxury tax if they're getting him. And then I just might as well don't sign know. I, I, get, I just don't know if that's where their resources should be focused. Like, but I'm saying, if it doesn't take a lot to get him, I, like if it takes a I guess. I, I guess, but I don't good. think the Cubs Bryant are going to take like nothing for him, though. You know, I feel like the Mets would still have to give up a good prospect potentially one of their like infield prospects for Chris Bryant, whether I don't think like, it would, I think it would maybe take like a top 20 prospect, not a top 10 prospect because it's his last year. They're trying to get out from under his salary for this year. They don't seem to have any intentions of resigning. It's very similar to Lindor, except they're the Cubs. So I don't know why they're crying poverty, but I, I don't know. I think if they made him available and you don't like, like you were saying, if you have to give up a, a high level prospect, no, def, definitely not because it's not a dire need. But to have a Bryant, he could play center field. He's obviously you don't want him as your everyday center fielder, but he can play a decent center. He can play anywhere pretty much in the outfield, and he can play a really good third base. So that versatility really helps you, and you can move Jeff McNeil around. And Bryant at his best, he's one of the best hitters in the league. Yeah, and again, you know, I feel like it's unfair to judge some hitters based on the 2020 season and not others. So he obviously didn't have a great – no. last year um, i don't really put much much into the 2020 season yeah really exactly so it's not really fair for me to be like oh so and so had an well. amazing 2020 season so they're yeah. definitely gonna be great this year versus oh brian didn't have a good 2020 therefore he's gonna be terrible this year i, I it's not it's hard not to have double standards based on who you personally think yeah. is gonna be better but yeah. especially yeah, the younger I guys i don't think i don't think you can put as much stock into like brian and lindor that are just entering the primes of their careers. Like, and Yelich. Like, Yelich had such a horrible year. He did, and He was coming yeah. off two MVP caliber seasons. I know he won the MVP in one of the years, but in 18. But still, mm-hmm. that I just feel like over a long 162-game season, they, their averages would have been a lot closer than normal. Right. Yeah, I mean, people were even saying, you know, last year, if it had been a full season, DeGrom very well made it one the third straight. He would have yeah. hands, down, hands, down, hands down. I mean, I believe, I believe in He had – he had a really good chance till the last like few starts. Like two like two three games. Well, exactly. and also Bauer and hey, I, I kind of want him, but I'm just saying, Bauer also faced the NL Central and th- the rest of the teams in the NL Central, I guess maybe besides the Cardinals, were terrible. And a lot of the AL Central ones. And the too. AL I mean, mean, too, and the AL Central. Yeah. obviously that's all he played really. So. I guess so. I mean, I mean, you can only beat the schedule you're given. So, yes. I'm the teams you were playing weren't great, but again, I don't think necessarily that should be like. That's not again, the end all be all. I'm just saying. I don't, that's definitely, not saying he it definitely helped the him. best pitcher in the NL last year just because he was facing the worst teams. Yeah. I think he clearly, he, Darvish, and DeGrom, but he and Darvish clearly were like one and two yeah. in most stats. But yeah. one thing I was actually thinking about, which 
is slightly more of a historical Mets topic. Um, so Jacob deGrom currently has, I don't have the number in front of me, so I'm not sure, around like 1,350 career strikeouts. He is currently, I believe, somewhere in the mid-top 10 in Mets all-time. I believe he's like seventh or sixth, somewhere in there. And, and I'm actually, I'm wondering, at, the, at his current rate, I believe Tom Seaver holds the Mets all-time record for strikeouts with like over 2,500 in his Mets career. Do you think there's any chance that DeGrom could eventually overtake that and have over 2,500 strikeouts as a Met? Because right now at age 32, he's going to be 33 in June, he's over halfway there. So I, what, do you, what do you think DeGrom's chances are of becoming number one on that list with over 2,500 career strikeouts? How many? Do you know how many he's at now? I'll, I'll look it up. I think he's at like 1,350. I'm trying to look it up too. I, I, yeah, he I says, mean, his stats are like always like the only ones. Yeah, I, I, I think you're, you're right in the ballpark. But yeah, I, how, I don't think he's going to be the top, but I definitely think he's going to be – and all the 1986 Mets fans are going to hate me, but I think he's going to be above Dwight Gooden or whoever you want to put as the second best pitcher of all time for the Mets. I think he's pretty close now. I think yeah. you, can right. definitely, you can definitely make now. the argument that he's already the second best pitcher in franchise history. There I don't think go. that's a stretch. Okay. This is actually better than I thought. So again, slightly less current events, but more kind of hypothetical historical stuff. So Jacob DeGrom currently has 1,359 career strikes. Wow, you were close. I told you I knew this because I've written about him so many times that I was like, his stats are yeah. like the ones that I know. Yeah, I knew it was between 1,300 and 1,400, but I didn't know if it was that high. I was pretty sure. I, was, I wanted to check it, but I was pretty sure. So he currently has 1,359 career strikeouts. He's currently fifth all time in Mets history. He is only 90 behind Sid Fernandez. So he he'll pass him hopefully next year. will pass next him year. in 2021. So he'll be at least fourth. Dwight Gooden has 1,875 strikeouts. So let's say DeGrom pitches. DeGrom will like pass averages, him. DeGrom will definitely pass him. Yeah, if he averages like 200 strikeouts, over, at least hopefully over the next few years, he, he would pass him. So there, I mean, I'm not sure if he'll get 1,200 more, which would require basically Six, six more, more seasons, six more years of 200 of each. Which I wouldn't put it past them. Would be amazing, but I, you never I don't know. know. It could he, happen. He definitely, in my opinion, definitely not even – it's hands down. He's going to pass Gooden. And if DeGrom continues to be DeGrom over the next few years they, through the end of his contract, there's no way – now, especially now that Cohen owns the team, there's no way the Mets are letting him go. He's a franchise Met. Oh, God, I hope not. All he needs Met. to be – see, not, here's what I want for DeGrom. He needs to be the one guy who – Unlike Tom Seaver, stayed with the Mets for his whole career, and unlike David Wright, didn't get hurt, have horrible injuries, and hopefully, I mean, hopefully they end up winning World Series. And yeah, that's too. I really want what I want for him is for him to be like have that kind of fairy tale career that the Mets have never really had. They've never had a player who spent his whole career with the Mets that was like over ten years long and also won a World Series and had the chance to really play to their full potential the whole time. And, you know, obviously all players peter out towards the end of their careers. Otherwise they wouldn't retire, but I'm really hoping that he can be that guy who like, you know, they don't get rid of, like they got rid of Tom Seaver and, you know, has that kind of storybook career. That's what I, that's what I want for him. And I, I think he can be the guy that, that has that kind of perfect arc of drafted 
his whole career with the team, hopefully a really triumphant moment somewhere in there in the postseason, whether it's, you know, hopefully they win a World Series at some point in his career. That's, that's what I want for him. And I really believe if, if they're committed to winning with this current regime, they can get there in his career. And, and I also think, you know, people have talked about this. A, he didn't start pitching till college. So hey, he, has he, a lot got, of, he got recruited as a shortstop. He did. And he played his first couple of years. He almost like. He had a home run off Chris Sale. You ever see that That's video? Right. He took Chris Sale deep that. in college. Yes. <laughs> That's crazy. That was just the only home run he ever hit in college was off Chris Sale. How yeah. crazy is that? Yeah, exactly. So that's that's what I'm hoping for him. I, I I could probably have some sort of Jacob Degrom related question, anecdote, what have you, in in every episode we do. Yeah. But I really think he just he really just deserves it. The Mets fan Mets fans deserve to have a player like you know the Yankees have like 15 of them players who spent their whole career with the Yankees and won a World Series and like you know had a magical arc. Like you know the Yankees have like the Mickey Mantles, the Joe DiMaggio, the Derek Jeter's players that had that kind of beautiful arc to their career where it had a lot of triumphant moments and they never were had a heartbroken exit from the franchise. And so I hope, and hopefully there's several others on this current roster who can have a similar arc where they spend their whole career with the Mets. But at the yeah, moment, Rom is probably the most likely candidate for that kind yeah. of. Yeah. Career. I think, I think this is the, well, to, to finish on DeGrom and I'll talk about the young core, but DeGrom just, it's such a great story how he said he came up as a shortstop in college and obviously got drafted as a pitcher, but didn't make his major league debut till I want to say he was 27. And I think he was 25. It 20, was in 2014. I believe he was, was 25. 20, was, oh, was he that young? Mm-hmm. Still, even if he was 25, it's old for a rookie, but because he had Tommy John. I want to yeah, look up what year he made his debut. What was that? He, he definitely, it was definitely 2014. 14, um, yeah, and he won the rookie of the year in 14. Yeah, so – but Degrom, he's been a great story, and he—he's—I mean, he's been do- dominant his entire time as a Met. It's just—I mean, his injuries. worst year. Think about this: his worst year statistically with the Mets was in 2017, and he finished eighth in the Cy Young voting yeah, that year. It's wild, and he—he's been great. And like you said, I hope he's around with the Mets for his entire career, and I don't see how they'll ever let him go if he continues to be himself. And he's been great. But the young core, this is, in my opinion, ever since I've been watching the Mets, this is the best core of young position players that they've ever had from Alonzo to Dom Smith to even the people that don't like Nimmo. Nimmo's a very good player. He gets on base all the time. Conforto obviously has been great. Like they have a really nice young core and it's great. McNeil, I can't leave McNeil out. Obviously Davis was traded for, but he feels like he's been here though. You know, because he he feels like one of us. He didn't have any major league success with the Astros. Astros, Exactly. But um, yeah, so and even Rosario, who obviously they just traded, but you know he is he'd been here for years since they signed him as like an undrafted or not undrafted free agent, but since they originally signed him when he was a teenager. And so they've definitely had a lot of success in developing, like we've been saying, not only pitchers like Degrom and Syndergaard and others, but they they've successfully developed a lot of really solid position players as well. And you know I, I don't know this this seems like kind of a natural maybe ending point for our first episode, but with all the moves they've made this off season to complement the fantastic players that they already have. I mean, I really feel like my expectations for the Mets are, are genuinely higher than they've ever been just because not only do they actually, do they have the resources to continue improving the team, but I really believe in the players that they have. I believe in DeGrom, obviously, and, and all the hitters that they have. I'm not worried that we're going to have John Mayberry Jr. batting cleanup at any point, oh, hopefully. Or Eric, or Eric, or Eric Campbell. Campbell. I mean, those oh two always mentioned. Or Ty Kelly. Sense. We don't hey, have any more Eric Campbell, hey, Ty Kelly. 
Oh no, what was this guy's name? He came up for like two games. He was a little sh- little short guy. Last year? No, no. It was like when they were bringing up the Eric Campbells and the Matt Reynolds. Oh, I don't remember. Oh, what I'm, was his name? I'm not sure. Like, hey, let's not knock Tyson. Danny Munoz or something. He was Danny Muno. Yeah, something like that. That sounds familiar. Little yeah. short guy, and he was like the savior supposed to come up and <laughs> saying they pull these guys. And like you said, John Mayberry in 2015, the year he went to the world series at one point, John Mayberry jr. Was our cleanup hitter. So that, hopefully that doesn't happen. And hopefully our expectations of hitting have gotten, have gotten better. No, it's amazing. It, it is amazing to me. When you look at some lineups from that 2015 season, I'm like, how did they win 90 games? I mean, a lot of those losses were granted before Cespedes got there and single-handedly won them a lot of games, but yeah. So anyway, like just, just to kind of continue what I was saying, I, I feel like not only do they have the resources to improve the team, but they really are in a position now where they have a lot of pieces in place. They have a really likable team that fans have become very attached to. I mean, this is the time this, they really need, they really have so many, so much in their hands to take advantage of and, and take it to the next level and build a team. And that's why I've been, I've been saying that they really need to continue improving the bullpen. These, these weaknesses that they have, because they can't, they have the chance to take advantage of their strengths and add to them rather than having gaping holes. And so they're in a position to really fill those gaping holes that they still have on their roster. And hopefully with more bottomless pockets of Steve Cohen than the Will Ponds had, which were very shallow pockets. And yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to see what this season brings to see more exciting moments because even the 2020 season like it was short season and the Mets were honestly terrible for most of it it was but a typical Mets season there were, there were some great moments I mean we had yeah. we had like the Pete Alonso walk off against the Yankees the day after Tom Seaver passed away yeah. we had the Ahmed Rosario walk, walk off against the Yankees, Yankees. We had like we had a few good moments, but that's every Mets season. It's a roller coaster. There's always the a few great moments, but usually in the end they fall short. Exactly, and so hopefully they can have great regular season moments, and hopefully have some great postseason moments in 2021. We shall see. Yeah, I think there's just a different feeling around this team because Cohen's bought the team, and I understand the dark cloud continues to cover them with the Jared Porter stuff, and that really wasn't their fault. How are they going to know? But it's there's just a whole new feeling around this regime and there's I my entire life so far I've always thought about will the Mets ever win a World Series while I'm alive and uh, that's all I want I feel like team. if they win I'm one pretty confident I'll be good that, forever I'm pretty confident good now that Cohen's bought the team that they're gonna they're gonna yeah. get the job done at some point because he's really committed to winning they're they're gonna go out you don't have to be scared now that at the trade deadline if they have this piece that they need to go out and get they're gonna go get it in the past ah. Uh, can we afford it? Can this, can that? Are no. they going to end up trading? I mean, I've been terrified. Go get it. This is what I've been telling you. Like, I feel like every offseason for the last several offseasons, they've been like, are they going to trade Nimmo? Are they going to trade Dom Smith? Are yeah. they- Noah Syndergaard, bless him, has been on the trading block like every year since his yeah. rookie season. If it wasn't for his Tommy John, he'd probably be on it again. Exactly. And it's like, I'm re- I mean, you know, like I said, they did trade two major league players for, but for Francisco Lindor, not for nothing. So I'm really hoping that the days of, shedding major league talent for salary reasons at the trade deadline oh, it's over. Are behind us. yeah it's gone that's done yeah but i'm excited there's a lot like of lots of the mets fan and yeah <laughs> this year in 2021 i keep that forgetting it's 2021 in 2021 we're almost we're a month in already that's fan. there's a there's still holes that need to be filled they need to get some more starting pitching whether that's with bauer or just more depth Definitely need more help in the bullpen. And, I mean, if they could go out and get a Jackie Bradley Jr. or somebody that can at least complement Nimmo so that they can play some defense, I mean, that would be great. 
but it's def they've done a lot, but there's definitely some work still to be done. Absolutely. All right. Well, I think that probably wraps it up. Yeah, it was fun. I hope uh, everyone enjoyed that. Obviously had a lot to talk about this week. And, and, and like I said in the very beginning, um, you guys can look forward to a bunch of guests in our future episodes. Um, Jake and I both have some ideas for some really fun Mets and baseball related people that we'd love to have on our podcast. So keep an eye out for us on Twitter. We're also going to be sharing all of our episodes there as well. And um, if you want to follow us individually on Twitter, I'm at, at NYMFan97. And I'm Giblin, G-I-B-L-I-N underscore Jake, J-A-K-E. All right. And that just about does it for our first episode of Cohen's Corner. So thank you all so much for listening and we'll see you all very soon. Thanks guys.